a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. It's Friday. It's four o'clock. It is short fuse. Uh, and the beast. Hello to the beast. Big shout out to the beast. What a load of rubbish, eh? The beast from the east. When I was growing up, it was called a cold snap. It's called winter. It happens. Uh, big snow, though. Obviously, the story dominating the headlines this week. And, uh, you know, we mixed with an Emma. I saw the headlines today. Emma Geddon. Emma Geddon. Not bad, actually. Anyway, so lots of snow. And that's been uh, leading all the stuff that we're doing this week. So uh, wrap up warm, particularly Kevin Corcoran. Because I know he's watching today. And I know, Kevin, you're very sensitive with the cold, aren't you? That's what we've heard. On to our story of the week. And yes, panic station says the grid. Well, that's what they said yesterday. So the National Grid put out an uh, alert yesterday that said that we're basically running out of gas. Oh my God, panic. We're all going to die and have a small candle to light our little homes with. Uh, Significant supply loss and they issued something called a gas deficit warning. What they were trying to say is, uh, guys, industry, uh, just saying that we're running a bit low. Can you start using a bit less here and there? Uh, but don't worry, domestic suppliers, you, you know, we'll be fine. We can still make our beans on toast. And then this morning we got the second part of this story, which was, hey, it's all good. It's all good. Don't worry. Got loads of gas. Uh, so uh, what does that all mean? Well, look, it's interesting. We have been for many years depleting our gas uh, reserves. We've moved away from uh, getting our own gas, because obviously we're doing less North Sea oil uh, and gas extraction. Uh, We don't have any, you know, we're not doing any fracking. So let's forget any kind of gas we have now. So we rely a lot on gas coming through on uh, interconnectors and we rely a lot on gas coming in as LNG cargo. But what this uh, tale of an alert and then a non-alert and now we're monitoring and prices going bonkers and it's been a great week as uh, someone in the energy industry told me this week, hey, it's white gold coming out the sky because obviously we're all setting up our uh, heaters and uh, great for the energy companies. But uh, the, the real issue with this story is all about storage. So we used to have lots and lots of gas storage in this country. We've been shutting lots and lots of it down over the last few years, particularly a huge swathe of storage in somewhere called Ruff, the Ruff Storage Centre, which is out in the North Sea. And basically, this warning really shows you where we are. We are always at a level, and you could say this is the right thing for the grid to do, of just about being okay. A little bit of reserve, but let's not worry about it couple of things that make obvious sense. Hey, no shit Sherlock, we knew this storm was coming. People were telling us all about it last week. So we knew the weather was going to be bad. I'm sure the grid would have had some contingency to bring some in. Also, what about some forward planning? Have some extra storage in reserve somewhere. Putting out this alert, well, it sort of spooked the market in some ways, gave some good headlines. But in reality, we were not in a crisis that we were going to run out of gas. What it was, was I think really a shot across the bowels from National Grid saying, hey, can we get this sorted out? And that means uh, to uh, Greg Clark and his chums, who are obviously worrying about Brexit right now, let's make sure we've got our energy infrastructure sorted. Because particularly as we enter the phase into Brexit, what the hell are we going to do when it comes to gas storage uh, and interconnectors if uh, France or Norway suddenly say, hey, um, excuse me, Mr. Angleterre, 
Uh, I'm not giving you any gas right now because I can sell it somewhere else. So I'm not going to do that with the interconnectors. So an interesting story about what may come along as we enter the Brexit period. Okay, the next story today uh, also involves the winter and cold and it's about keeping homes warm. So um, I think Tank has done some research and found that in England, so we're not talking about the rest of the UK, we're not talking about Scotland, Wales, just England, there's been a 58% cut in sort of warm home investment since the Olympics, since 2012. Uh, and England is pretty much the second worst, can you believe this, out of 30 European countries on the number of cold weather deaths. I mean, that is shocking. In 2018, that we've got that many people still suffering uh, from, uh, you know, not being able to, to heat their homes. So the group said that basically we have to classify fuel poverty as an infrastructure issue. Uh, what does that mean? Well, they're actually saying you've got to give it as much credence as you have something like HS2 or some, some sort of transport link or energy, energy infrastructure in terms of generation. Because if you've got all these people whose homes could be warmed up better, that would mean A, they are using, uh, you know, if they're better insulated, they're using less energy, their bills are lower, and more importantly than hell, they're safe. So I think this is quite a, a good thing that they've raised this. And I am frankly quite shocked that uh, there's been that much, nearly a 60% cut in the last sort of, you know, five, six years in, in that area. And, you know, keeping homes warm is absolutely vital, particularly for the people who are most vulnerable in this weather, which are people like the elderly and, and young kids. And finally, well, only Johnny would come up with this story. Blood and guts of the energy industry. Well, this one is a bloody shocker. So a uh, big warning if you're of a sensitive disposition, switch over now. Um, a guy, a, a businessman in Sussex has decided that blood, guts and bits of your entrails could be turned into energy. Oh, yes. What he wants to do is he wants to take medical waste uh, that's normally incinerated, obviously, for health reasons, uh, from hospitals. And he wants to take that waste. And what he wants to do is he wants to heat it, not burn it, and to create a synthetic gas. And with that gas, he'll burn that and turn that into energy. Uh, and the reason he wants to use medical waste is because, of course, it's got lots of other things in it, like plastics and stuff like that. So, um, uh, no, not surprisingly, uh, he says that this is going to be great. It'll cut down on landfill. But I don't think the neighbours where he lives would be that grateful to have this site being built. So it's an idea. I don't think he's got the funding yet. Has he got the funding yet, Johnny? Don't think so, has he? No, not yet. But uh, it's a bloody shocker, to say the least. Yeah, George would give him a site. Uh, that's it for now. More stories coming up. But now it's time for this week's Viewpoint. This week's Viewpoint is all about batteries, storage. Where is the future of our energy going? Now, you know what's been happening because you'll see incentives for it and you'll see them on the streets. More and more cars are becoming electric. We're doing much more in terms of building that uh, EV infrastructure. People are charging their cars just outside. Uh, our office here now and you know a year ago no one was doing that frankly because it's some rich bloke's got Tesla but hey let's put that aside but how are we going to do all of this we need to have batteries and we need to have battery technology and that battery technology ought to be stuff that we have here in the UK you could say great we just buy the batteries from abroad but actually wouldn't it be a great thing if we had that technology 
homegrown. We did investment in that. Well, at the end of last year, the government decided that batteries were an area that they really wanted to invest in for our future, our transition into this low carbon economy. So they created something called the Faraday uh, Institute, looking into this, and they launched something called the Faraday Battery Challenge. Well, I'm delighted to say that joining me on Short Fuse this week, we have Stephen Haidari Robinson, who is the vice chair of the Faraday Institute, who'll talk us through what they're planning to do and why this matters for us in the world of business. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Why have you got involved? Because your background, dare I say, is you, you were uh, recruited personally by our former Prime Minister, uh, Mr Cameron, weren't you, and, and brought in to look at sort of uh, energy and technology. Why have you got involved in, in this, this challenge and this institution? I, th I think it's it's just an area I feel very passionate about. So um, as the last government uh, under um, uh, David Cameron, we had a lot of exciting plans in this area. And, um, you know, I, I was keen that those plans didn't disappear. I mean, as, as you pointed out earlier on, there's some other things going on in the world that are engaging people. But I, yeah. I was just really keen that we, we, we pushed ahead with this because it's such an opportunity for us in the UK. Um, so when I left uh, number 10 Downing Street, um, this is the one area that I wanted to focus on, really. Tell us what the aim is, because if we look at it, we could say, are we trying to get scientists working in labs coming up with new kinds of batteries or are we trying to get uh, manufacturers, British manufacturers to scale these things? What are we trying to do with this? Um, I think we're trying to do both of those things, but we're, we're really trying to do the latter in particular. Um, because unless we have manufacturers actually scaling up these technologies, nothing's going to happen. We're not going to improve uh, environmental impact. We're not going to create industry and jobs. Um, so it all needs to feed into that, really. So even on the um, research side, which I'm spending the majority of my time on, um, the three research three of the four research challenges that we picked um, are just focused on trying to make existing lithium battery technology better, either to reduce the amount that it degrades, you know, help us um, kind of recycle um, some of the elements of that, especially we've seen cobalt prices spiking recently, um, and, and also to just work out how you actually model how batteries perform, you know, which should be helpful for um, consumer understanding and also for pricing when you're thinking through warranties and all the rest of it. Um, so we only have one initiative which is focused on a, a, a true breakthrough on solid state batteries for that reason, because we want to be focused on having impact sooner. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier on, you know, it isn't it a good idea that we make them in the UK? It yes. indeed is. Um, but I think um, what we're seeing now is actually a shortage in the supply of batteries. So if you think to about sort of early 2020s, all of the capacity that's being built up largely in Asia is going to be consumed by Asia's own manufacturers. So, you know, we're either going to have um, production here um, or we're going to find it very hard to get our hands on batteries. Would you say, um, so, sorry to interrupt mm. you, but th there's £246 million of funding the government's committed to this. Now, I don't know whether you can tell us how that's breaking down. Maybe you don't even know, but uh, I assume some of that has to go into the research, but the other part must go into getting businesses on board. So as the vice chair, if I'm someone who's thinking maybe I could get into this uh, manufacturing side, to help British science and help British economy uh, industry, particularly after Brexit. What, what, what would, how would you sell this to me? So I think, I mean, I, I can tell you how it breaks down. So yeah, as you said, it's about um, a quarter of a billion quid and it splits down almost exactly a third, a third, a third um, in terms of research, um, scale up and then uh, helping uh, companies industrialize this. Um, so on, even on the research sides, 
you know, I mentioned the challenges that we're trying to push, but, you know, we'll find out some stuff along the way. And we're quite keen that we can both work with SMEs and spin out SMEs um, so that we can already start to have some impact from the search from the beginning. Mm -hmm. In the scale up, um, the government has recently awarded a, a grant for a um, battery scale up facility uh, in the West Midlands, um, which is going to be used to sort of practice uh, manufacturing and for companies to use uh, as, as a sort of a test production line for the, uh, developing their own batteries. Um, and then in the full industrialization, I mean, what we, we're lucky in the UK that we have a very united um, automotive industry that is committed to do this. But there's one bit of the supply chain that we're missing, which is the cell manufacturers. So uh, if there are any cell manufacturers listening, then um, <laughs> the UK is very, very much open for business bringing, uh, you know, one or maybe two gigafactories here to the UK and stealing yeah. a march on... Uh, the competition elsewhere in Europe. Would you say, um, you could say this is simply all about EVs. That's why we need batteries as we electrify transport. Or, or is there a bigger play where, um, you know, some of our sort of businesses now are starting to do what they call behind the meter. They're building sort of, uh, you know, turbines and solar panels, generating their own energy. The trouble with renewable is obviously you've got to store it. So how much do you think this is all going to be driven this market by just EVs or you guys as as the Faraday Institute trying to show batteries being used in a wider scale so in our the whole challenge is is largely focused on automotive and it's focused on that for a reason that in automotive um, batteries are much closer to the money than there are energy I mean as, as you know in um, on the grids it depends a lot on um, uh, how, how spiky the prices are, and you mentioned how spiky they are in gas at They're the moment. They're certainly a bit spiky, on, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on, on, on the grid, actually, partly as a result of the less government, we've actually in, in, improved the capacity situation, and, and, and likely prices will be a bit less spiky for now. So I think in a, in a, in a world of um, shortage around production capacity, you know, really you do need to focus on the areas where it's closer to the money, and that is EVs. Right. Um, having right. said that, there is clearly a connection between how you charge the EVs um, and how you might use the EVs as, you know, a pool of batteries in themselves. Um, you know, if you're a, you have a fleet of cars, so maybe that could be aggregated and sold yes. back into the grid because you already have the cost already. Yes, um, yes. So, so we, we are looking at those interconnections. And um, uh, one thing that I should also say about the institution itself, the Faraday Institution, whilst we're focused on research, it's not all just sciencey research. Um, we will be looking at social and economic research as well, why people buy EVs, what kind of policies uh, are required to um, uh, push uh, EVs and, and wider storage forward as well, because it, it's, it's not just about the technology and the economics. A couple of final questions. How much manufacturing of batteries is actually happening in the UK? Do we have like a battery factory out there now that you guys have seen? What, what, what's the score or is it all still I mean, coming from abroad? Um, so, of course, we have the, the Nissan Leaf um, uh, being built up in uh, in the northeast, and it's currently selling like hotcakes. Uh, and Nissan had its own uh, um, cell production facility up there. Um, doesn't do full cell production, but but uh, does a part of that. Um, they recently spun it off to a, a, a Chinese company, and and I think the idea is that that would expand to serve uh, other uh, other customers. That there is actually one battery factory up in in Scotland, I believe, as well, which was part of this original wave when we first. Uh, invented the thing but that's still quite small scale so mm. i think we are looking at trying to 
bring much uh, uh, bigger production to the UK in the order of something like a gigafactory that you'd see in Nevada uh, if we really want to be successful here. Yeah. And, and the last question is, obviously, we hope this is cleaner transport, but there are many concerns about batteries, their lifespan, uh, the fact they're made from rare minerals like lithium and the mining of that. How are we going to make sure and how are you guys at the Faraday Institute going to make sure that as we go on this pathway, we, we, we tick all those boxes about how environmentally you know, conscious we can be about the manufacture of these batteries? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, the, the one good thing about doing it in the UK is that we do have an increasingly uh, green electricity supply. So I think all of the naysayers who say, you know, EVs, you're just um, kind of uh, uh, fueling yourself off a coal power station. This is just patently not true in the UK. Um, there are issues with regard to where some of the materials are coming from. Um, and you can think particularly of sort of cobalt in the DRC and some of the uh, labor issues out there. Um, I think that is going to be one of the things that we'll be looking at from a, a sort of social and economic perspective in, in the institution. Uh, and it's indeed one of the reasons that we launched this um, recycling research project, which uh, the University of Birmingham is leading. Um, because if we can find a good way of recycling existing batteries or extending their life, uh, obviously that helps uh, mitigate the impact on the planet from the resources that you need. Excellent. Listen, Stephen, what I'd like to do is I'd like to send one of my reporters and find out more about what you guys are doing. Would you be open for that? That would be a pleasure. Yeah. I mean, we're just about to open our HQ uh, in about a month or so. So um, if, we, if we time it for that, we can uh, uh, show them around and show them around the facilities at Harwell as well, where we're based. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep on that and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for your time and best of luck uh, chairing this, uh, being a vice chair of this board. Excellent. Appreciate your support on this. Thanks a lot. Uh, Stephen Bye. there. Uh, well, I think that's really interesting. What's your view? Get in touch with us. Use the email. You know the hashtag as well. And uh, I think it's one to watch and we'll definitely be doing much more on battery technology. It's time to hear the real voice of journalism. It's the Hack Hutch. Hello. You've joined me on this side now. Yes. That's quite good, I isn't it? We've changed it. This is a better side. There we go. How are you? Good. Looking Being forward cold? to very and this office because uh, Robert's always did... turning off the heating. Yeah, but that, that's because <laughs> Robert doesn't need the heating. Robert's like used to like minus oh, yeah. seventy because <laughs> he's Irish. Exactly. Um, by the way, what about your footwear? Yeah. I've got my no, we're, very we're, amazing. No, we can't scroll down because we're going to lose the shot. She's, you wore ridiculous shoes, didn't you? No, that's Yeah, and all the boys were wearing their massive boots and you came in with ridiculous shoes and going, oh, it's a bit slippy out there. Yep, and I had to hold on to Alex all the way to the shops. No. Thanks, Alex. There you go. He's such a gent, <laughs> isn't he? Anyway, enough of that rubbish. Let's talk about stories. Yep. First up, we've got a study from the UK Energy Research Council. Um, it was our lead this morning. And what they've said is they researched on energy bills and how much... Uh, the richest and the poorest are paying for for uh, renewable energy through subsidies. Um, so what they've said is the subsidies for renewable energy, like wind farm solar panels, rather than taxing it on energy bills, mm -hmm. it should be moved to general taxation. So it would depend on how much uh, a householder earns. Right. So okay. the, what they're saying is the richest should pay about £410 more yeah. uh, annually compared to the poorest of households, or vulnerable households. Um, I think that's a good idea. 
I think it's not actually a it's not a bad idea yeah, because because if you're rich, you can afford to pay more. Yeah, that's exactly their yeah. point. They're saying why the rich they actually. Be, yeah, why they've been charged the same? I suppose the thing is, you could say, what about the volume that people are consuming? But no, but that's the thing. They found that the rich actually use more power. Obviously, big houses. Um, and Johnny has loads of big houses, so he, he uses lots of energy, don't you, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, the poorest. They, they found the poorest spend ten percent of their income on. Right. Um, heating their homes, powering their homes, compared yeah. to only 3% of what the rich use. Wow. And George spends about 40% of his income on Nando's, from what I hear. <laughs> Is that right? Okay, uh, that's the first one. That's the first one. Next yep. one. Next one. Uh, the city of Pune in India. Pune. 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 I think it's Pune. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> if you're from Pune using... or Pune, let us know. <laughs> it's using glue and tar on roads made from recycled plastic. Hey. So they're try they've trialed it out and now they're planning to roll it out across 23. Roll it out. I like it. <laughs> Not bad. Hey? It could be bouncy. Be I don't bouncy. know. Will they be bouncy? Not sure about anyway. bouncy, but they are meant to be more stronger and more water resistant. Okay, good. So last longer. I think two additional years. Two additional lifespan. years. Very good. Lovely. Uh, moving on to the next one. Lego. Um, keeping the plastic theme going here. Yes, it seems like we've got a lot of plastic stories lately. Plastic's um, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> feel like I'm journalist. Yeah, yeah, go on. If you could send us more on energy efficiency and saving no, energy, no, we'll take the plastic stories. Uh, but for now, on yeah, plastics, okay. uh, Lego yeah. says it's uh, going to be using plant-based plastic for some of its. I think we've got a nice little video of this weird little. Yes, green it should things. be up behind us ah. now. Um, on for leaves, trees, and bushes on their little Lego sets. So what's it? So hang on. So what's it going to be made of then? Plant-based plastic. So what they've said is they're using polyethylene, which is a soft, flexible kind of plastic. It's still a plastic, though, isn't it? Well, plant-based is sourced from sugarcane ethanol, which is said oh, to be more sustainable. Oh, I see. Ah, okay, okay. It's not coming to... from the fossil fuel ones. Yes. I get it, Lego. Nice. Um, so I think the video should be done now. So we'll move on to the last one. Um, Eon. So the Big Six uh, hasn't announced any price increases this uh, this year, 2018. Uh, but Eon said, although it's not hasn't increased his unit uh, price for gas and electricity, uh, consumers will see an increase in their bills because of the structure change in tariffs. Why am I not surprised? So uh, on average, it'll increase by about £22 per year. But actually, most people who are on fixed deals, I'm, I'm on one myself, mm -hmm. they all come to an end about now. So there's a lot of fixed deals coming on, so people yeah. should move so, on, otherwise you'll be on the uh, SVTs. Or you'll be automatically rolled on yeah. to the SVTs. Um, so... For example, um, there's £20 per charge for dual fuel customers. Yeah. So these are the discounts that E.ON used to offer, but now it's cutting back on that. Okay. And another is £5 per a year per fuel for paperless billing. So that's going to be gotten rid of as well. Okay. Good. Great stuff. That's all. How are you doing? All right? Yeah. How are you going to get home? We'll Fight see. Your way we through shall see. Yeah. And uh, what can they do to get in touch with you, Pri? Yes, you can send us all your amazing stories over to stories at energylivenews.com. And be safe, everyone, and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Wow, she's so kind. Goodbye. Thank you. Be safe. Johnny would never say that, would you, Johnny? No. No, no exactly. No. Uh, right, uh, before we go, let's do the diary, the diary of what's coming up. And as you can see, coming up very soon, in fact, just uh, ooh, three weeks away now, is uh, the first conference of the year, Energy Live Consultancy Conference. We've got a lot of brokers already signed up. Still got room for a few more. So if you're a broker out there watching, then send an email to Jeff or Freddie and we'll get you on the list. That is on March 22nd, June the 7th, 
of course, Energy Life Future. We are starting to pull together all of the details for the agenda for that. I know people have been asking for the agenda. We're working on that, <coughs> bringing it all together. <coughs> Excuse me. So we'll have all that for you. You must come to that if you're a big energy user because a great day planned with some really interesting technology. And hopefully maybe we can invite the people from the Faraday Institute to come along and bring that sort of battery tech because I think that would be very interesting to watch. June the 28th, of course, is Telka, the award-winning Telka. So again, uh, if you're a broker, you'll uh, be coming along for that. M remember that the 16th of April is the date for your entries. Okay, uh, any shout-outs, Freddie? Yeah, you might not be able to hear him. I've got it. From oh, oh you, from Kevin Corcoran. Okay. There are two questions from Kevin Corcoran. Right, question one, please. First one, keeping it topical, the state of Nevada is named after the Sierra oh, Nevada. God. Yes, state Nevada of Nevada. Nevada means snow covered in Spanish, yes. which is ironic. Will Short Fuse visit Hyperloop One's test track in Nevada in September and will ELN pay for my ticket? Will we be visiting this test track? <clears throat> Well, Kevin, uh, in all honesty, we would definitely make a, a trip there. We would take our cameras. We would explore how this Hyperloop can really invest in the future of energy. Whether I'd pay for your bloody ticket, that's another thing. That's the answer. Next question. Next question from Kevin again. Next question from Kevin Corcoran. There's global angst into the correct build of a snowman. Global angst in the current build of a snowman. Some prefer a two-ball construct and some three. A two-ball or a three? Okay. Yeah. What's your preference? Well, I, I've, I've always generally been a two-ball man, but on occasions I think three balls are always worth it. I'd never go any more than that. But, you know, it all depends on the size, Kev, because it depends how you roll them. I always find that the nice, soft consistency, but slightly firm, is the best. That's my top tip for that. Uh, anything else? Any other shout-outs? Frederick, anything? No, there's no one else watching. Ah, oh, that's a shame. What about Jazz? Hi, Jazz. How's your baby? Oi. Let's get the baby on next week. Do a bit of stuff with that. Okay, just before we go, uh, right, this is classic. When your dad is famous and you've had a shitty film career and you can't do anything, what do you do? You trade in your dad's name. Uh, and you do it for an ethical reason. And that's what young Jaden Smith, son of Will Smith, is doing. He's launching something called Just Water because he cares about the planet. And what it is, is about uh, creating a bottle for water, but it's not made of plastic. Uh, it's part plant and paper-based recyclable bottle. It, he's sort of, I think, the face of it because there's a, another guy behind it. Uh, all joking aside, it is a great idea, but I wonder whether this company would have got any kind of publicity if it hadn't been for Jaden saying, hey, Dad, can you star in a little film for it? But hey, worth watching, and anything that stops us using plas plastic is a very good thing. Uh, that's about it. Uh, do stay uh, warm. We know there's a bit more snow uh, but by next week it should be all gone. Hope you have a great week from all of us here at the ELN Short Fuse team. Adios.